The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Two weeks ago, I was in the foundations room just visiting, and they were teaching on this story of Moses parting the Red Sea and about Moses being a shepherd, and a great theological storm developed. One little three-year-old started saying, no, only David is shepherd, and he refused to bend that Moses was a shepherd too. The only problem was the teacher was his mother. <laughs> Put quite, quite, a, quite a stir in the, in the kindergarten theology, huh? or the, the nursery room theology, but it's true. Moses was a shepherd, okay? Um, I don't know if Nathaniel's here right now. Nathaniel, your mother was right, okay? But what we have here is a story that has transpired and been retold thousands and thousands of times. The Jews still to this day mark this with a major ceremony called the Passover Cedar. We have this amazing event where God parts a sea, but he doesn't stop there. He knows that people need things. He knows it because he designed life. Not that we just need something once, but that we live in a repetitive world of need. He gave them manna from heaven every morning. He gave them water from the rock. He made a bitter stream turn into fresh water. He knew their needs. He knew their need to be fed and protected and guided. And there's one place God even says, I walked you through the desert as a mother carries her young. So that was God's heart. He took care of them. He knew their need. The same is true for us today. And I want to touch on this bit about salvation because we have this big word in the church that says salvation. What does it mean? It means that God saves us. But the truth is God doesn't want to just save you once. The truth is there's a moment in time where you say, God, I need you. Wash away my sins. Make me new. You come to this wonderful realization that God loves you and wants you clean. And you are born again, it says, because he gives you new life. But that doesn't mean your needs stop. Day after day, God knows you need manna. He knows you need water. He knows you need things. So God has set it up, a system for you to perpetually need him. All right? Now, to make this point clear and to draw in fully the attention of the children, I have brought in an American element here. The ever-trusted Oreo. Powerful to draw any child under its grasp, okay? We also have a birthday girl here today. Jasmine, you want to come up? And I, as a father, would be entirely remiss that my own daughter had a birthday yesterday. Abigail, would you come up too? Jack, there'll be Oreos for you later, okay? You never grow out of Oreos. All right. Now, 
If I was to give you an Oreo, oops, enjoy it. You're welcome to enjoy it right now. Oreos are wonderful. They're terribly non-nutritious, empty of any real goodness for you. But if you're eating this cookie now, biscuit, would you like a biscuit tomorrow too? Or is that the last biscuit you'll ever need? You want a biscuit tomorrow too? Or you want another biscuit now? Do you want a biscuit next week? Do you want a biscuit at your party? Yeah, yeah. You continually will need cookies. Not really. You will need food, won't you, for the rest of your lives. You were made to want again and again. You need, not cookies, but food again and again. So here, we're going to meet your need. Abigail, you can go sit down. You get to stand here for a second. Now, the Oreo may be made across the Atlantic, but I don't know if the next tradition has. With every Oreo in America, you must have a glass of milk. And if you're true, faithful to George Washington, you must dip those cookies in your milk as well. Okay? Would you like to partake in an American tradition? <laughs> How does it taste? My child, you will grow up. No. No. You can go take that to your seat and go enjoy it. And here's a couple more for the road. Your mom can't tell you you can't eat during service, okay? Happy birthday. All right. So what we have is we have food and water. God not only parted the sea and brought them through in this first act of great act of salvation, but he wants to provide for our needs. He also knows. You could go to the next one, Oreos. The next one is love. We have an ongoing need for love. In fact, most of us have a big gap between the love we receive and the love we need. If we admitted it, in the quiet of our own hearts, many of us are not getting the love we need. And there's a gap between that and the love we need, or the love we receive. And no human being can fill that. That void, that desire for greater love, is something God designed for you to want from him. It is your heart because you're made there. He made your heart. He wants to be the one to fulfill it. And the next one is, and you could add to this, you could add rest, but this is salvation. The power of God. You need the power of God on a daily basis. And I want to just, because there's this idea that once God saves us, we're all on our own. We got to pull up our bootstraps. We got to tough it out. We got to do everything on our own. And if we don't, we're a bad Christian. We just don't measure up. We can't do it. We know the rules. We know the standards. I just can't do it. It wasn't meant to be that way. God wants to give you Oreos. He wants to give you milk. He wants to give you love, and he wants to give you his strength. Not once, but every single day he knows your need. It's a system he designed. You don't have to run from your neediness. When you face something like this, I don't know how to handle this. I am feeling the lack of love. 
I am feeling the pain. I am feeling the loss. I am feeling this or that. You were not designed to handle it alone. It's when we try to that we end up empty and hurting. I heard somebody say one time, and it's an expression you've heard, time heals wounds, right? Heard that? It's a lie from the pit of hell. It is. Time only helps clean, heal clean wounds. Let me say that again. Time only helps heal clean wounds. Every wound this world gives you, and God knows they come. He had enough of me, took on upon himself. The only wounds that get healed with time are the ones he's allowed to clean. Day after day after day, not just one time, right? Here it is in the New Testament. I've done it in the Old Testament. You can see it in Moses. You can see it in the people of Israel. God wants to save continually. If you would pull up Romans chapter 8, verse 32. This is one of my favorite verses. And I stumbled upon it one day. And it's in a chapter in the scriptures that is like a beaming light. Like the whole chapter just shouts out amazingness of God. Like this is unbelievable. If you've never read Romans chapter 8, read one chapter today. Children, look at your parents. Would you please read to me? Say it with me. Would you please read to me? Today, Romans chapter 8. Okay, we practice that. Children, look square in your parents' eyes. Dear lovely mother and father. Oh, dearest one. Provider of my needs. Kind one. Oh, how I love you. I will obey you all day. Come on, Abigail, Audrey. Come on, say it to mom. (laughs) Please read to me. Romans chapter 8. It literally is a chapter that just beams light. It is so amazing. And while I was reading it one time, I stumbled upon this verse. And I said, oh my God, is it saying what I think it is? I've missed this. I mean, before it, it says, if, if God is for you, who could possibly be against you? Now, you kids, I know you're studying about superheroes in kids' church. This is one of those verses. If God's for you, who can be against you? Even if the devil is against you, he's nothing compared to God. He's not equal to God. He's like an ant compared to a mountain. The devil's small. God is great. If God is for you, who can be against you? And then after it says, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. No demon, no principality, no hierarchy, demonic force, nothing in heaven or earth can separate you from the love of God. But buried in between these bright lights, like a treasure hidden in a field, is this verse. And I think we miss it because of the structure of the sentence, the way that it's written, or maybe just because everything else around it is so amazing and glorious. But as you pause for a moment, this is like, oh my God, 
You're saying this in words? You've put this out on paper for me to believe? You've put this out there, God. Can I believe this? Can I trust in this? Is this really who you are? I'll read it in the NIV here for a minute. He who did not spare his own son, already given this great prize, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with my sacrificed son, along with him, graciously give us all things? Even now, even now, he's recognizing, I've parted the sea. There was a great wall between you and heaven. And I've parted the sea through the death of my son. So you and all the people of Israel could pour through into the promise that I have for you. I've opened the way, the impossible way, the way nobody could make it. By parting the sea and letting you come into something you could never attain to by yourself. Will not he who parted the sea, who paid for you with his son, not now graciously give you all things? He's not withholding. He's not a father who's saying, I gave you that bike, now you've got to learn to ride it on your own. I put you on that swing, now you've got to swing yourself. That's not our God. Our God is graciously, graciously wanting to give of himself to help you along. Because he loves you now. Not just the day you said a prayer into your, to receive him into your heart, but day after day after day after day because he knows your need. He knows your need. Let me read this in the Message Bible. This is Romans 8, 31, 32 in the, in the Message Bible. If God did not hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? People, this isn't just in, in New Testament. He was already alluding to this in the Old Testament. There's places where he says he rejoices over you with shouts of joy. Now take that in for a moment, that God in heaven, the one who stoically sits on the throne, who rules heaven and earth, who has everything under his control, who holds all things together by the power of his word, would get up from his throne and dance over you with shouts of joy. That's your God. Kids, have your parents danced over you with shouts of joy lately? After Romans 8, just give them an ask. Now... The next verse is kind of Paul addressing this because it's, it's, it's a problem that we have as adults. It's a problem. We think, okay, we got to do this on our own. We got to mature. We got this definition of maturity. got to do it on our own. Maybe your parents yelled at you as a kid, said, grow up. Come on. Enough of this. Pull it together. Do it on your own. Be your own man. Step it up. Show yourself a man. Come on. Maybe that's what you heard. 
and there was no assistance along the road. Our God wants to assist us in a maturity. But this is what Paul said, dealing with this condition that we all carry. Galatians chapter 3. He almost says this a little annoyed. I mean, he does say this annoyed. Paul is very much ticked off right here. You've got to hear his tone. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? Are you trying to create all these rules for yourself so that you can measure up and make yourself feel good about yourself? Or are you going to return to the gracious God who saved you? He's the one who makes us righteous. Every time we try to make ourselves righteous and start following our own laws, we get squeaky, nasty. It doesn't come pure anymore. It gets contaminated. Only God gives us the good stuff. We mess it up. He wants us. God wants us to rely on him. Not once for salvation, but day after day after day. Why again? Because he made you that way. He wants you to need. Let's bump back to um, James chapter 1. Pastor Jonathan read this last week. James 1, verse 2 and 4. Three weeks in, we're still in the first chapter, right, Pastor Jonathan? (laughs) Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So right at the beginning of James' letter, he starts sticking out this maturity. And he begins to lay out what this maturity is and how you attain it through perseverance. But perseverance in what? Through many trials, right? I tell you the three areas that that are overarching throughout the scriptures that have to do with your maturity. It's not the nitty-gritty things. It's not the little things. It's the big arching things. The first one is relying upon God. Your maturity increases and grows, not as you rely upon yourself and do it on your own, but as you rely upon God. You can deceive yourself to think your maturity is standing alone. I can do this. I can do it alone. I can do... No. Ever-increasing maturity is found in relying upon God. The second one is ever-increasing humility. And ever-increasing love is number three. I'll tell you this. Number two and three can't be done without number one properly. Humility and love won't come unless you're relying upon God. You try to make it happen? Oh, I'm going to be nice in the car today. (laughs) Ah! First one cuts you off. Kids, you try to love the person in school? He took my toy. He looked on my paper. She's looking at me. You lose it. Because there's things that annoy us all the time. We need God. And he made those things. So we don't just need him once. But so that we enter into a relationship with God. Recognizing our humble need for him. Day after day after day. I'm going to wrap this up here. I want to leave you with one phrase. And, And this is something to think about. Maturity as a Christian is not getting yourself to a place where you don't need God. I'm going to say that again. 
maturity as a Christian is not getting yourself to a place that you don't need God. One more time. Repetition. Because this is powerful. If you grab hold of this truth and you begin to believe that God really wants to give you Oreos and milk, if you really get to the place that he is not withholding from you, but he's graciously willing to give you, as Romans 32 says, not once, but all the time, day after day, if you really can get your heart to a place that he graciously gives you all things, this can help you. Maturity for a believer in Jesus Christ is not getting yourself to a place where you don't need God. It's the exact opposite. That, my friends, is destruction. Destruction is getting yourself to a place where you don't need God. Maturity is getting yourself to a place where I need him. Day after day, moment by moment, and entering into a relationship where you know he wants to give it back to you. That you're not asking from a father who is withholding. He wants to give. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God in heaven wants to give you that? Not just in word. Will you let it sink in? Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.